Hey, Bridgeway. I'm Dr. David Anderson, founding and senior pastor here at Bridgeway Community Church. And here's the good news. The good news is that today is our end of the year wrap up. We preach on vision three times a year. In September, at the top of the academic year, we give a theme and a vision message. In the middle of the year, we give a state of the church address. And then at the end of the ministry year, we give an end of the year wrap up, sort of reviewing where we've been. So today, that's what that message is going to be, a little non-traditional, not necessarily a Bible text that we're going to open and break down. Next week is Father's Day. I'm happy to be here to host the service, but our COO, Frank Eastham, is going to bring a message, message, who's your daddy? <laughs> so you don't want to miss that. Um, now, before I go into today's message, let me give you an update on what's going on with our reentry plan for COVID. Uh, first of all, when we do come back, we're only going to have one service in each location. One service in our Owens Mills Reisterstown campus, which is going to be at 1030. And then one service in Columbia, and that's going to be at noon. It's going to be uh, 30 to 40 percent capacity. It's going to be socially distanced. And we're going to make sure that we have all the safety protocols in place. We're still waiting for some equipment. For instance, the temperature gauging. So when people come, make sure that their temperature is good to go. Uh, we're going to have you register online so you can get free tickets to come. And to get those tickets, we're going to ask if you've been sick or uh, if you happen to be in an affected group. So I want you to know that's coming down the pike, still a few weeks away, maybe sometime in July. We'll see. But I wanted to at least bring you up to speed, up to date to let you know everything's being clean, sanitized and a plan is in place. So I wanted you to know that. All right. Now I'm going to bow for a word of prayer and I'm going to start with this uh, end of the year wrap up. The title of the message is. Little did I know. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, as we go into this message, as you continue to remind us of why we're here as a ministry, I pray that people are touched, convicted, challenged, and encouraged. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Wow. What a ministry year. One like I've never seen before. I returned from my sabbatical last August with a series on Haggai, House of God. It was like fire shut up in my bones, as Jeremiah would say in the Old Testament. I said in that series that God was shaking us, breaking us, and making us. Then I come out of that series and I give us a brand new theme for the year. Discover God, his power, his purpose, his peace. How many of you actually have the bracelet that says that from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9? But little did I know how much we would need to rely on his peace during such a time as this in our country and in our culture. Little did I know that our key verse would become so relevant in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. We needed God's power in our weakness more than ever over these last several days and weeks, haven't we? Little did I know that God would call me to become closer to my clergy team as they are a collective power to oversee the spiritual life of our body. We may be closer now than we've been with regard to unity and purpose for a long time. 
Little did I know that the elders' council of women would be such a joy in my life and such a support with spiritual prayer and connection along with the elders. Their perspective and their sense of care for me and this body is unbelievable. Little did I know that I would lose a few key staff members during this time of shaking and obvious transition. Little did I know that as God was shaking the house, that he would elevate new levels of leadership within me. Little did I know that this was the year that I would have enough steel in my back to stand up and establish our first female pastor, Minister Sandy Pope. Now, Pastor Pope. Little did I know that I didn't care who left over the decision and I didn't care the cost of doing what was right. I stood before you and I proclaimed the scriptures as clearly as I could and then unashamedly ordained an amazing woman of God who has endured much pain for the sake of the gospel. I stood with her regardless of who left. And we are a better church because of it. That's a good place to say amen. Pastor Sandy may be the only one now, but as time goes forward, she is becoming a trailblazer to more leading ladies that are to come as the Lord reveals them to me and to us. Little did I know that a great Korean minister was in the wings waiting to be hired and elevated to help our clergy team care even better and to help our disciples grow even better and to help us reach out to our Asian community even better during the COVID season. And William Jen has been welcomed. And then, wow. Little did I know that we were going to have a winter guest speaker series that would be amazing. I mean, we've had great guests in the past, like Dr. Soon Chan Ra, like Mark Batterson, like James J.B. Brown and Reverend Lisa Sharon Harper and Pastor Albert Tate and Ambassador Suzanne Johnson Cook and Nancy Beach and Evander Holyfield and others. Yes, but there was something about this year that set our church ablaze. Starting with Bishop Marcus Johnson, wow, was his message, walking on water. Then Jeff Allen, the comedian, and, and Ann Graham Lotz, and Anthony Evans, who we interviewed and had a concert. That month was anointed. Little did I know, though, shortly after that month, the whole world would change forever, it seemed. We had just started a three-week series called The Age of Rage. Does anybody remember that? We got through two messages and then COVID hit. Only God knew how much we would need that series and where our country and our world was going. Only God knew that right in the middle and toward the end of the Age of Rage series, that there would be raging storms of uncertainty and brokenness and disorder and social change like never before. I preached us right into what many of us never saw coming. Neither did I. A global pandemic. This pandemic was a virus that would cause people to get flu-like symptoms that would then take people's breath away and ultimately render their lungs incapacitated, leading over one million Americans to contract the virus, over 110,000 to die all within a three-month period. This would include some of our friends 
and family and church members. Included in this number is my son's fiance's grandmother who passed away from COVID in May. To my future daughter-in-law, Kiri, may God rest your grandmother's soul in peace. We were all stuck in our homes on lockdown with our families for two to three months. Don't forget that theme. Discover God, his purpose, his power, his peace. There was a calm over the land. We were spending time with our families for a couple of months. Yeah, we were on lockdown, but many of us were trying to see what God was doing in this. How would we discover God as some of us would rest, recover, reprioritize what was most important? We were forced to take time to breathe. The ecosystem, the ecosystem was breathing. The streets were empty. The offices were empty. The stores were empty. The gyms were empty. The church buildings were empty. But the liquor stores were essentially full. I'm just saying. Little did I know that we would feed more people through our community cupboard than any year prior. Over 250 volunteers serving over 2,000 people. Little did I know how capable our creative arts team would be to produce amazing, anointed broadcast services that would touch our souls right in our very homes. And little did I know that you would give offerings that would sustain us through the year at 105% of our year-to-date offering goal. Thank you for your generosity, Bridgeway. And little did I know that our attendance online would grow our church larger than it had ever been, having influenced over tens of thousands of people. We can pretty much say now that we're a church of 10,000, which was our quiet goal for seven years. Back in 2013, in a strategic meeting, we laid out a seven-year plan and seven-year goal of having 10,000 people by 2020. Little did I know that God was going to say, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it in a way where the church will be full while at the same time completely empty. Not a body will be in the building and the church will grow and the church will give in a way that's going to blow your mind. Remember I said God is shaking his house? He was shaking out what was unnecessary and no longer useful and building up what was necessary and absolutely purposeful. Let me say that again. He was shaking out what was unnecessary and no longer useful and building up what was necessary and absolutely purposeful. God is saying this to you now. This is not just for the church. This is for you. God is saying, I am shaking out what is unnecessary and no longer useful and building up what is necessary and absolutely purposeful. God is telling me to repeat this again. He's telling me to write it again. 
I kept trying to get past the line thinking, now it's time to move on. But God says, write it again. Say it again. So let me do it. I am shaking out what is unnecessary and no longer useful and building up what is necessary and absolutely purposeful. Who is that line for? This is a prophetic word that is coming into fulfillment in this season for someone. God keeps telling me to say it, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again. But what I want you to do is I, I want you to put it in the chat box. I, I want you to say it out loud at home. I, I want you to type it into your phone. I, I want you to pause and say it one more time for whoever it's for. Write it down because this is actually a word for someone, so I'm going to say it one last time. God is saying, I am shaking out what is unnecessary and no longer useful and building up what is necessary and absolutely purposeful. Little did I know that that this is what God was doing. Little did I know that the pandemic would produce this in our lives. Little did I know that God was not only shaking the church and our personal lives, but he would shake our world by exposing in open view the pandemic of systemic racism in our country. Little did I know that God would take over 30 years of my work and break my heart again. Little did I know that after 30 years of trying to help white people see that black people like me work so damn hard to be good citizens and to contribute to society and pay taxes and be honorable and godly, that there is a backbreaking system of racism that remains in place that crushes black bodies of people who look just like me. And I know that some of you are more concerned about the fact that I use the word damn than the actual damn of systemic racism that needs to be broken into pieces that continue to hold up and hold back black people across our country and has been for generations. And for those of us who are fortunate enough and privileged enough to get out of Dodge by building insulated lives, with our education and our money and our reputable social networks, there are millions who are exposed to lower wages, infested rent conditions, health and wealth disparities that eat away at our souls. Then on top of all of that, the police bust the heads and beat out the dignity of black bodies on a daily basis. And the most frustrating part It's trying to explain over and over and over again in creative and nonviolent ways ever since my first book 19 years ago in 2001, Letters Across the Divide. Two friends explore racism, friendship, and faith. Listen, friends, I have been calling black people to a higher plane for so long. I have been calling them to forgiveness, 
I have been calling them to for greatness, for graceness. Why do you think I wrote that book? I for grace you, doing good to those who've hurt you. I hate that book. <laughs> Over 13 years ago, I published the award-winning Gracism book, The Art of Inclusion. But I'm not going to stand here at our end-of-the-year wrap-up sermon and act like it's easy. But I want you to know something. I still believe I still believe God gave me that concept, that book, and that unique message for our world. It is not enough not to be racist. It is not enough to be anti-racist. We are called to be gracist. It's actually something positive that you do. And I held out hope that people would get the concept. I held out so much hope that the world would really and could really be a better place. I held out so much hope that we could do better, be better. But then to be honest, the last three years have just taken the wind out of my sails. I've tried so hard not to be political. And I really don't care whether you're Republican or, or Democrat and, I just want a decent, not perfect, but a decent person in the White House. I just want decent people in leadership, in the Congress, in our governments. You don't have to be saved, you don't have to be perfect, but you should at least be decent enough for my kids to look at you and say, I want to be like that. I'm not perfect, and nobody in this church is perfect. But nobody says our imperfections are something that we lift up and say are good. And to see evangelicals cling to the ideologies and theologies and economics, regardless of the moral fabric, the decency, and the personal faith of the ones who are ushering in more white supremacy openly wrecks my heart. Listen, black people don't want to let criminals run free. The criminals arrest them. Black people just want to live. When a white supremacist like Dylan Roof goes into a black church after writing a manifesto against blacks and then kills nine black church members who are praying in the church, people like an elder Cecil or an elder Robert, when, when, when he comes into a church and he, he shoots them dead, that's horrifying. But what's more horrifying is they would take them out to eat first before they take them to the jail. That's what's more horrifying. I'm saying that people like George Floyd don't even make it to the police car before being beaten. 
Something is desperately wrong and broken. And if you don't see it, I can never make you see it. I'm just saying that Eric Garner never made it to the station. Trayvon Martin never made it home. Sandra Bland was just smoking a cigarette before being manhandled. Tamir Rice was 12 years old with a plague gun. And in less than five seconds, when the cop pulled up, he shot him dead. Five seconds. Is a 12-year-old with a plague gun that scary? But someone called the police on him. Ahmaud Arbery, unarmed and running. Breonna Taylor, chilling in the house. But Dylan Roof gets fast food. And to say we don't have police brutality, Say we don't have systemic racism. How long, Lord? How long? I guess it was a good time to preach the age of rage, right? (laughs) Well, after the quiet of the pandemic locked us down, people began protesting. White people with guns. (laughs) and signs because they wanted to come out of their houses so they could get their social lives back, go to restaurants and bars and, and work and, yes, church. They showed up with guns. What would happen if a bunch of black people showed up with guns to the state house? You think they would have made it home okay? And for what? I want to go back to the bar. I want to go to church. I want to be able to go into the grocery store. Stop oppressing us. Really? While they were pounding state houses and having rallies for their cause, a videotape of Ahmad Arbery surfaces. A black man jogging in the streets of Georgia while chased down and gunned down by three white men in a pickup truck and killed. Two in a truck, one recording. The men were never arrested until a public outcry because because of recording. They were home for two months with their families after the man is dead in the street. Then you have... Brianna Taylor shot in an apartment with her boyfriend. And you have a man who's in Central Park bird watching. Films a woman who doesn't have a leash on her dog. And she threatens to call the police and tell them a black man was threatening her. You know, calling the police on a black man who's unarmed should be a crime. On that same day, May 25th, my anniversary, in Minneapolis, George Floyd would have a white policeman put his knee on his neck. And as he said constantly, I can't breathe. As onlookers said, give him a break. As he cried out for his dead mother, or maybe he realized she was more alive than ever and he was about to join her. He gave up the ghost. 
those who died of COVID-19 ultimately couldn't breathe. And what a great irony that for this black man who couldn't breathe, those would be the words that he would say. I need everyone to know whether you're Asian or Hispanic or white or mixed, your black brothers and sisters are finding it harder and harder to breathe. Now friends, listen, I, I still believe in our vision. I'm driven by our vision. I've never been more purpose-driven, more vision-driven. But I built my life and ministry on the concept that we could actually be a multicultural body of fully devoted followers of Christ who are moving forward in unity and in love to reach our community, our culture, and our world for Jesus Christ. So I'm not giving up now, but I believe that multicultural, multi-ethnic ministry is the greatest vaccine to the pandemic of systemic racism in the world. But I need all of us to wake up and to be a part of the solution and not the problem. Listen, I don't want to lose white people. And I don't want a church that's all black. God's vision is for many nations to be a people of prayer for all nations, to reach disciples for all nations. That's my desire. But there has to be a time when we challenge everyone who's not black. There has to be a time when you step up and stand to be gracious toward people that look like me. That you step up to say, Doc, not only am I with you, I'm with your community, I'm with our community. Your people are my people, and my people are your people. And where you go, I go. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you three practical applications to end the sermon. And it's for the summer. Very practical. Number one, a summer reading plan. I want you to read one to three books on race. Two of them can be mine if you haven't already read them. Letters Across the Divide and Gracism. Maybe you've already read them. If you want the books, go to EmbraceGracism.com and they'll be mailed to you. But read one to three books on race and there's a whole lot of them out there. Number two, not only a summer reading plan, summer conversations about race. Summer conversations about race. If you're in this with me, if you're going to be a gracist, then you got to have these kind of tough conversations. I want you to commit to having three conversations about race this summer. Either one conversation with three different people or three conversations with the same person. But I want you to have three significant conversations about race. And here's the question that you can answer. How have the current racial events made you feel? How have the recent or current racial events in our country made you feel and why? Let's get started there.
And here's a third practical application. Support organizations or people that are committed to uprooting racial inequities. Support organizations or people that are committed to uprooting racial inequities. This could be political support. It can be voting rights. It can be volunteering, blogging, calling attention to laws that are unjust on your social media. It could be giving financially to organizations that do this. It's what my organization, the Bridge Leader Network does. We go into places like Ferguson, Kenya, South Africa, Baltimore, and create conversations between police and protesters, politicians and pastors and so forth. If you wanna give to that kind of organization, embrace gracism.com, go there, make a donation. Outside of our organization, Dr. Barbara Williams Skinner is a human rights, civil rights leader. And she works hard along with a team of people to raise up bridge builders for the future. Give to her organization, skinnerleaders.org. Her famous husband, Tom Skinner, preached this 50 years ago. And I'm sure Barbara was hoping it'd be better. And maybe it's getting better in some places, but it's gonna take all of us to raise up another generation of bridge builders even now. This is why I'm so encouraged by a young girl named Olivia Walls. She's 24 years old and she sends me emails and says, what can I do? How can I be a part? I'm ready to learn, I'm ready to listen. And she's been wanting to engage, not only in this topic, but other topics of justice. Over the last year, I've received several emails from her. And these are some of the things I told her to do. And these are what I'm telling you to do, not just Olivia, but you. She's a, a 24-year-old white gal whose heart is, is bleeding to, to make a difference for, for justice. Thank you, Olivia. And thank you to all of you who are, who are gracious with me. Register to be a gracious. Go to embracegracism.com. Send emails, send texts, let people know that you're in, that you're no longer on the sidelines. Let them know you're not perfect. No one is but you're ready to do something. And so I end by simply saying, thank you. Thank you for doing something. Thank you for doing anything. But for God's sake, don't continue the systemic racism by not saying anything, doing anything, or even worse, cheering on the very things that break the hearts and the bodies of black people while at the same time lifting up and cheering on those that are ushering in white supremacy over and over and over again. Whatever this message has done for you or to you, I'll promise you it's done a whole lot more to me. Let's pray. God, I wanna discover you your purpose, your power, and your peace. But it doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. And I've discovered God like I never thought I would this year. And I pray that everyone who's following me will as well. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it begins there. Invite Christ into your life by saying, dear Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me for my sins, all of them and help me follow you by faith today, in Jesus' name, amen.
in der Imam.